Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. A reminder, if you want to be sure and catch every episode we do, I want to encourage you to subscribe using your favorite podcast software, including Overcast, Stitcher, Spotify, or the Amazon Music app at amazon.com slash otrdetectives. Now, I do want to let you know about something that will be of interest if you are a fan of old-time radio programs, and that is the Suspense Project at suspenseproject.blogspot.com. Suspense was radio's longest-running and most venerable dramatic anthology program, telling legendary stories over the air from 1942 to 1962 with a who's who of Hollywood's golden age and some of the most legendary writing in radio. And the Suspense Project has started this month at suspenseproject.blogspot.com and every day they will be posting the history and cast information so you can learn about the story and the actors in it and you can also download it as either an mp3 or as a FLAC, which is a lossless audio format. So if you're into old-time radio, it is a really neat resource. It's going to be posting an episode a day for the next couple of years or so, and you can check that out at suspenseproject.blogspot.com. That was not a paid ad. That's just something I think is really interesting and maybe of uh value to you. But now let's get into this week's episode of Sam Spade. And here we begin a run of episodes that aren't consecutive, but we have a good number over a period of time. This episode originally aired March the 27th, 1949, and we have a total of four episodes between March 27th and May the 1st. So here now is The Love Letter Keeper. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Since the world began Woman was meant for I must say, this is the shortest honeymoon in my experience. Catherine, you've been keeping something from me. Well, I wouldn't blame myself if I did. It didn't exactly telegraph this punch. Come on in, Angel, and I'll tell you as much about it as I think you should know. And what, may I ask, is a large parcel with a pink ribbon around it? Love letters, what else? Well, I must say, for a whirlpool romance. Whirlpool? I mean, writing all those letters... When did she find her to get acquainted? Stop pulling at that blouse. What's the matter? Does it itch? Sam, now that your marital service is in under crew, well, Sam needs a little routine for marriage. <laughs> Don't you think we should be a little more stilted with each other hereafter? In the hereafter? Then, perhaps, and not a minute before. To Sergeant Joseph Walsh, Bunko and Fugitive Detail, San Francisco Police. From, uh, you know who, license number 137596. Subject, the, uh, easy, yes. Subject, the uh, love letter caper, or how to be happily married, though single. 
The start of it was last Wednesday morning. I had just arisen, shaved, bathed, weighed myself on the bathroom scales, and decided on a breakfast of black coffee and rye crisp. Noisy stuff. Oh. <clears throat> Special delivery. Sign here. Oh, now hold this, will you, Sonny? Yeah, what do you call this? Some kind of Italian soda cracker? Rye crisp, low in calories. Take a bite. Oh, you know, lose a pound or two yourself. There you are. Eat the chain. Thanks. I'll smoke it after dinner. The first thing that fell out of the envelope was a photograph. Glamour type. It was inscribed, To Sam, Body and Soul, Ella. The letter was in the same tone of voice. Sam. Sam. Oh, Sam, my darling. Last night was so beautiful, but now my arms are empty and I'm filled with strange fears for the future. Unless I see you soon, I don't know how I can go on living. Come to me tonight, my darling. Wait until the house is dark. Then slip in through the west gate and I'll meet you beside the fountain. If you stay on me, I don't know what I'll do. But I know you won't. Oh, 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 my love, forever, Ella. I uh, read it over again, looked longingly at her picture, and shook my memory down. I couldn't even remember ever meeting a girl named Ella, but I did remember that last night was definitely not beautiful. In fact, I had dropped thirty-five bucks in a blackjack game, not deductible. After I had tested the letter for invisible ink, codes, and ciphers, etc., with negative results, I decided it was either A, a crank letter, or B, bait, or C, a camouflage call for help from a damsel in distress. I took another look at said damsel's photograph and decided I would investigate her distress. I then phoned my secretary and told her to look up the night bus schedule to Atherton, the return address on the envelope containing said love letter. It was around 11 in the p.m., and the moon was just clearing the treetops behind the Comstock mansion when I slipped in at the west gate for the instructions in Ella's love letter and took a plant beside the aforementioned fountain. The house was in darkness, and I didn't see the ladder until the moon cleared the chimney pot. There was a girl climbing down the ladder from the second story, and she had a suitcase in her hand. When she reached the ground, she looked around anxiously, spotted me, and flew into my arm. Sam, my darling, you didn't fail me. Oh, my precious, hold me. Never let me go. I love you. I love you, too, but now what? I'll explain it all later. We'll have to hurry. I think he suspected something. Who suspected what? Please, there isn't time. Come on. The watchman. We'll have to go out the back way. Come on. Come back here. Hey, you. Hey, hold it. Get down. No, let me go. We've got to get out of here. I said get down. Shut up. Had a ladder up to the second story to hall window. But I scared him off. Oh, not all. Well, let's have no more shooting outside the street. Come on. It's our last chance. If you look in that room, I love you. I love you. What room? Wait. In my room, of course. Where are you planning on going? Anywhere. Just so I get away from him, I love you. I love you. Who's him? My uncle who's been holding me prisoner in that house. Oh, come now. I tell you, he's insane. He'll tell us both if we're caught. So please, come on. <laughs> I went, because A, I don't like being shot at, and B, there was a wild possibility that she was indeed a fairy princess on the land from a dragon. I discounted half of B when we reached her getaway car. It was parked in the alley with a motor running. When she insisted that I drive, I hesitated whether to head directly to police headquarters or nail her the stupid way. I was weak from being on a diet, so it was Hobson's choice, more familiarly known as Spade's Folly. 
That's where I live. You wouldn't like him. Not about that. Look at the address. Your love letter arrived here. Come on. Here, let me carry your bag. No, no, it's all right. I'll carry it. Hmm. Come on, come on. It's okay. No cops, no booby draft. Now, let's have a look at that suitcase. No, you must Come not. on, come on. Give it to me. No, you can't. Why not? Because you get the wrong idea. Oh. Well, well, well. What have we here? I knew you'd get the wrong idea. The only thing you seem to have missed is the Hope Diamond. That jewelry is mine, every piece of it. Uh-huh. It's all I have in the world. Poor kid. Let's see now. Diamond bracelet, not more than ten grand. Emerald necklace, second hand, of course. All told, I don't imagine this stuff will net you a penny more than a hundred thousand bucks. I know, but I'll just have to get along as best I can. I don't have any money of my own. Yeah, why did you write me that crazy love letter? Because my uncle reads all my mail. I didn't want him to know I was hiring a detective. Why did you? I couldn't very well walk around with all these jewels without some protection, could I? Oh, my uncle, he followed me here. Suppose it's a cop. Oh, no, it's he. I know it. Where can I hide? In here? Don't you have a bedroom? Yeah, but it has a window and a fire escape in here. Go on. Go on, go on. Steve? Yeah? I... I suppose she's told you about me. You were uncle? Oh, good heavens, no. I'm Stuart Mason. I'm her fiancé. Or was, so she ran away with you. Uh, maybe you'd better step inside, Mr. Mason. Thank you. Uh, sit down. I'd uh, like to... No, 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 no. I just brought a few things I'd like to leave forever. Here. This bundle of letters. Uh, love letters to me. I suppose she'll want to destroy them. <clears throat> now, wait a minute, Mr. Mason. Don't jump to any rash conclusions. I saw her come down the ladder. I saw her throw herself into your arms. Yeah, but I... I can't blame her. I've been a coward. I oh. told myself it was for her own sake that I discouraged her from escaping with me. But now I know that... Well, it was at least partly fear for myself. But I might die as the others did. Yeah, but, uh... What others? The men she's known. They've all died under mysterious circumstances. And Didn't she warn you? Well, uh... All she told me was that her uncle was insane and wouldn't let her out. Crazy like a fox. As long as she remains unmarried, he controls her money. Three million dollars of it. Uh-huh. Well, only the brave deserve the fair. Alas. If you'll just give her these letters and tell her that I... You, uh, tell her yourself. Come on out, Ella. No, why did you come here? Your letters, my dear. And I... I wish you every happiness. Stuart. You too, old man. Good night. Oh, Stuart. Darling, I can explain everything. Don't try, my dear. Stuart! Stuart, come back! Hey, Ella. Hey, Ella, your jewelry. It's your, your love letters. Hey, we'll take care of those letters, Spade. Keep the gun on him, Riley. Inside, you. Over there, sweetheart. What do you want? Mr. Spade, I've been aware for some time that you've been carrying on a surreptitious love affair with my niece. Look, uh, Mr. Comstock. Watch him, Riley. Don't worry, Mr. Comstock. I advise you against trying to jump him, Spade. Why should I? You're both nuts, but not crazy enough to take a shot at me here. Try me and see. I wouldn't waste the energy. I haven't made a penny on this caper so far, and it doesn't look like I will. Ha! Not a penny, he says. The king's ransom and jewels extorted from a foolish, lovesick girl. Oh, how did I manage that? Don't you play the innocent with me. This packet of love letters will satisfy the police. Blackmail. You're crazy. Those letters weren't written to me. You deny that Ella has ever written your letter? One too many. In fact, one. Well, how do you explain me? Darling Sam. Sam, my dearest one. What? Sam, my great, big, beautiful detective. Dated last October. Hey, let me see those Watch things. It. I told you not to move. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, so you did. Well, uh, what now? Very well. Is it? Is it the police department? Yes, it is. Hello? This is Hugo Comstock. I want to make a complaint. Uh, blackmail. Oh. Hello. I want to... Yes, yes, Sergeant. The name is Hugo Comstock, and I'm making this complaint on the behalf of my niece, Miss Ella Comstock. The name of the offender is Samuel Spade, a private detective. Huh? Oh, of course I'm sure. Yes, I'm holding him at his apartment now. The address is... Oh, you have it. Well, I'm not surprised. You better hurry over here. Right away. He's threatening violence. You really think you can make that stick? Mr. Spade, I'm sure I can. Dirty words and foul imprecations were forming on my trembling lips. But he had letters from his niece to one Sam, a great, big, beautiful detective. And I had the jewels, and before the night was over, Sergeant Walsh, you had me. Booked, bothered, and bewildered. What bewildered me was how to raise the $2,500 bail. Sam Spade, innocent dope. I mean dupe. The United States Armed Forces Radio Service is presenting the weekly adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade. the times to my breakfast of rude prison fare. They didn't serve any rye crisp, but what they did serve was even less fattening. I thrust my emaciated arms through the bars of my cell and clawed at the lapels of a passing bondsman and begged him for sucker. He says I didn't need any because I was it. I hurled him aside and sat down to think. About then, you, Sergeant Walsh, hold to in front of my cell. Okay, Sam, get moving. You're free. Gee, thanks. Who stood my bail? Great kidder, aren't you? Sergeant, am I to understand that the charges have been dropped? Get out of here. All right, I know when I'm not wanted. Mine, not the reason why. And don't come back! Your inhospitable words cut me to the quick, Sergeant, but I bit my lips, swallowed my pride, very low calorie, and strode bravely out into the sunlight a free man. I fought until I bought a newspaper. Right there on page one, it said, Heiress reveals secret marriage to private detective. Blackmail charges against Sam Spade dropped. All a mistake, says Uncle. Next to the item was a picture of Ella leaning over a hot stove in my kitchen. It was captioned, Surprise bride prepares breakfast for incarcerated mate. We'll keep things hot for him, says Mrs. Spade. Sam, darling, your breakfast is ready. I'm on a diet. Take off that apron and sit down. I did it for your sake, Sam, darling. Wouldn't it have been simpler just to have dropped the charges? Well, it wasn't difficult. The nicest man forged the license and the certificate for only $10. I know a guy who would have done it for five and thrown in some fingerprints for free, but that's not the point. But darling, don't you see? If you'd just gone free without being married to me, Uncle Hugo might have done something worse to you. Like kill you. Nuts. Who are these exit admirers of yours who are supposed to have been knocked off by your uncle? Name three. Well, there was Ralph Bettinson. He died of vapor loss. Of what? It happened in the mountains. Something went wrong with his car, but they couldn't prove it because it blew up and burned after it went over the cliff. Mm. And then there was poor Freddie Push. They called him the piggy bank suicide. Why? They found five dollars worth of pennies in his stomach. Oh. And then there was poor Nicky Nato. He was a ballet dancer. That's and... enough. Now about those letters. Why was your friend Mason returning love letters you'd written to some detective named Sam? Well, that was just coincidence. He always went by his initials. You know, like GBS for George Bernard Shaw. SAM is for Stuart Andrew Mason. Stuart Andrew is his pen name. He writes detective stories. And the rest of the coincidence was the, that love letter you inadvertently mailed to Sam Spade Detective, thereby sending your uncle out gunning for Sam instead of SAM. What could I do after he read my diary and my confessions to myself about SAM? And the references to his brilliant mind on criminal subjects. 
Oh, you were a natural stand-in for S-A-N. Pronounced S-A-P. But I wasn't going to, it, Sam. Not after I met you. Why not? Because the moment I saw you, I, I knew that all those things I'd said in that love letter were really true. Really? Last night was so beautiful? I think I... I think I must have dreamed of you. Exactly. Oh, Sam, darling, I, I'm so lost and frightened. Jimmy. You don't know what my life has been. Oh, I can imagine. Boyfriend dropping dead right and left. You're the only one who can stop it. If Uncle Hugo thinks we're really married and he can't use my money anymore, then he'll stop having accidents happen to people. Won't you please be my husband, Sam? Is that so much to ask after what I did for you? Yeah. Uh, go on. You spring me out of that blackmail frame so I can help you compound a felony. But, Sam, what am I going to do? You forge the marriage, go forge a divorce. Where are you going? Back to jail. I'll see you there. Oh! Oh, dear me. Hit your foot, did it? Cast iron. Don't make them like that nowadays. My foot. Eh? Your foot. I meant the strong box. Oh. Uh, coming in or going out? I think I'll sit down for a minute. Sam, you poor dear boy. Here, let me take off your shoes so it can swell if it wants. Get away from me. I only wanted to help. I love you. Well, I don't love you anymore. Oh, first little spat, is it? Who is this guy? Oh, Sam, I'm sorry. This is Curtin. You can say that again. Curtin's. Harwood L. Curtin's. L. Lacey, attorney at law. I represent the estate of the late Gertrude Comstock, Ella's mother. Uh, you, Mr. Spade... I've married into, uh, shall we say, money. Look, Curtis, it's time to raise the blinds on a couple of things. In the first place... Please. I... As you know, Ella, your grandfather, the late Commodore Ezra Comstock, uh, left his fortune to be divided equally between his legitimate heirs, that is, your mother and your uncle Hugo. Upon your mother's death, the residue of her part of the estate was left to be administered by your uncle Hugo as he saw fit until your marriage, at which time it should go to you. Well, where is it? Yeah. All in good legal time. First, here is this old strong box. You mean strong box? Ah, containing family mementos handed down to you from your grandmother. <clears throat> it was your mother's wish that this be delivered into your hands upon this uh, auspicious occasion. <clears throat> here is the key, in addition to which I leave with you both my best wishes for your future happiness. Good day. Uh, Mr. Spade, I shall forward along to you the statement of my fees for services in this case. Wait a minute. Who's paying my fees? No more questions, please. Good day. Well, I guess we might as well open it. Oh, I'm sleepy. Oh, no. Let's see what's in here. All right. It didn't take long to go through Grandma Comstock's mementos. And I got more and more wide awake as we went along. The strong box contained four items. A teapot, a bundle of letters, a photograph album, and a family skeleton. The letters were love letters from one Elmo Pinkney. It was a pin type of said Pinkney in the album. He was a dead ringer for Uncle Hugo, which might have been a coincidence, but wasn't. I started scanning through the love letters. Find any money yet? Huh? Well, there's a Confederate 10 spot. I'll let you know if I hit any pay dirt. Well, at least she left me a pot to make tea in. What? But if there wasn't any money, why wouldn't Uncle Hugo let me get married? Now, look, why don't you go and wash out that pot and make some tea, huh? Probably leave. Oh, something in it. Hmm? No money. Just grandmother's marriage certificate and mother's and Uncle Hugo's birth certificate. Let's see those. Oh, crap. I might have known. I wonder who that is. That will be your Uncle Hugo. Well, that doesn't need to worry us anymore, does it? Yeah, put these things back in the teapot and put the teapot on the mantelpiece. But it's cracked. So am I, so do it anyway. 
Come right in, Uncle Hugo. You too, Cousin Riley, you fool. Very funny. Now, now, don't be silly, Riley. Ella, accept your poor old uncle's blessing on this happy occasion. I don't want your blessing, Uncle Hugo. You're a mean old man, and you killed all my fiancés. Well, it appears that Mr. Curtins has already brought you a legacy. I believe I recognize your grandmother's strongbox. Mementos of a strange romantic chapter in the history of a great family, Mr. Spade. You, who have joined that family so uh, unexpectedly, will have a privilege that even I was never granted. Oh, how come? My mother was a strange woman in some ways. I'm sure she was. I suppose we shall never know what prompted her to leave these personal allotments to Ella's mother, nor why my late sister chose to keep their contents a secret from me. <laughs> I don't suppose I might be allowed to just a peek into that Pandora's box. Go ahead, help yourself. Really? Nothing but a photograph album and a bundle of letters. Love letters, Uncle Hugo. They seem to run in your family. Would you like to read them? You, uh, you have no objection, Ella. Me? Why should she have? And I can give the whole story to you in a nutshell, Uncle Hugo. It seems that Grandma Comstock fell in love with a handsome rascal named Pinckney, a deserter from the Confederate Army, and eloped with him to New Orleans. Her family pursued her there, had Pinckney arrested, got an annulment, and whisked her back home in time for her scheduled wedding to Ezra Comstock. These letters were written to her by Pinckney while he languished in prison awaiting court-martial. Here's the last one. Read it for yourself. Lydia, my darling, in a few hours I face a firing squad. Please, no tears, no regrets. I'm glad that you are married to a man who is worthy of you. Comstock will be a better father for our child than I would ever have been. Farewell, my love. So that was her secret. Nothing so extraordinary about that. I think it's very tragic. Think of her, married to a man she didn't love, about to have a child, and her lover facing a firing spark. Nonsense. Sentimental nonsense. What do you know about such things? I should know a little. After all, I was that child. I'm sorry, Uncle Hugo. Ah, well. Fine old piece of spoon. What? This teapot. I don't remember seeing this here before. Uh, Just something I picked up in a junk shop. Uh, It's a very rare piece. Do you mind if I look at the mark? Go ahead. Uh, Genuine example. Piteous crack. Oh, oh. Now, that was clumsy of me. Well, there's no good saving the pieces. I'll just toss them in the fire. Wait a minute, Comstock. I'll take care of it. Oh, it's no problem. Well, what's this? It's uh, your birth certificate, Uncle Hugo. You grabbed it. Oh, no. What are you going to do with it? Put it back where it came from. Ronnie. Yeah, Mr. Comstock. Spade, I'm going out of here, and I'm taking that strong box with me. And don't think I won't kill you to get it. He will, Sam, just as he did the other. And you, too, if you don't shut your trap. Hand it over, Spade. Sure. Come and get it. Okay, let's have it. There you are. Oh! Really, what's wrong with you? Oh, my foot is broken. Oh! Sit down and rest it. Oh! oh. Hold it, Comstock. I've got the gun now. Oh. Well, Spade, oh. seems you've won the day. Oh. How does it feel to be a rich man? You'll have to tell me, Comstock. The reports of my marriage to your niece are slightly exaggerated. That's about it, Sergeant. I'm sorry I can't furnish you with the forged papers Ella used to back up that phony story of her marriage to me. A fire broke out in the wastebasket, and I accidentally dropped them into it. As for Comstock and his Gunzel Riley, I will gladly press charges against them on the blackmail frame until Homicide decides whether there's a case against him on the mysterious deaths of Ella's previous fiancés. Period. End of report. But, Sam, why? Why what, Ed? If he was that old crack teapot. 
Well, because grandmother's love letters plus the documents on that tape art prove that Hugo was not a Comstock, but a Pinckney, and hence not entitled to one red penny of the Comstock fortune, which was left, if you recall, to grandpa's legitimate heir. Well, who was? Entitled, I mean. Ella. But if she never married, she'd never find out, Well, she see. doesn't deserve it. Hmm? After making a pigeon out of you the way she did. I agree, sweetheart, but how else could she afford to pay my fee? Well, I certainly hope you soak her. I fully intend to. Go type that up while I falsify an expense account. <laughs> No, still a couple of fingers in there. Break out another glass. Oh, no, I meant the expense account. Oh, that. Well, it was nothing much, just bus fare. Uh, free breakfast in the pokey? Nah, no, no. Well, I took the liberty, Sam, of drawing up a statement. Did you look it over? Yeah. Hmm. New letterhead. Well, it's only a sample I have done of sending your approval. Do you? Well, uh, yes, yes, very classy. I like the coat of arms, but I'm not quite sure about the motto. Oh, but then you are the greatest private detective of them all. <laughs> you know best, Effie. And then, for an extra dollar a hundred, we could have it printed in Rady Ink. In what? Luminous ink, Sam. Shines in the dark. Even as you and I. Oh, Sam. I'm glad you're still a bachelor. Go home, all the same. <laughs> Good night, Sam. <laughs> Good night, Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Duff. Lorene Tuttle is Effie. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Private Detective, is a presentation of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. Welcome back. Well, a great setup for the story, and I thought some good twists and turns. It was interesting to have Wally Mayer playing a character named Riley, since one of my favorite Wally Mayer characters is Lieutenant Riley on Let George Do It. But let's go ahead and we'll get into listener comments and feedback now. And we have some questions regarding... Uh, 
episode 3950S, Gracie sends Sam Spade to jail. And we start with this email from Sean, who uh, says, uh, in uh, the episode, uh, Burns and Allen, Gracie sends Sam Spade to jail. Gracie Allen kept saying the butler didn't do it. I went back and re-listened to the episode. I'm wondering if Gracie was referring to the butler in the Bouncing Bay at a caper, episode 3975. I couldn't tell if the voice was the same guy. Do you know if the, it was the same actor or just sounded the same? Well, thanks so much for the question, Sean. Well, the uh, Gracie sends a Sam Spade to jail episode actually aired about two months after the Bouncing Betty Keeper. So it was a bit long for Gracie to be holding a grudge about that or to be thinking too much about that. But who knows? It may be possible that the writer had listened to that episode of Sam Spade and had the idea somehow, you know, it'd be nice if he could get off. Because that was definitely a case of uh, a sympathetic killer. But I went back and checked, and the characters' uh, names were different, and the actor doesn't sound the same to me. And uh, if it was the same actor, I think it would be more coincidence than anything else. And then we have a question from Ronser. Rots in, gotta love Gracie. Did Sam ever get out of jail? Well, I think so. If he hadn't had, uh, I don't think we would have had this uh, episode in March. Uh, Thanks so much for the question. And then we turn to an email from Steve who writes in, I want to share my thoughts on your new adventure podcast. I don't know if you care what I think, but here it is anyway. I'm looking forward to Bold Venture and uh, Voyage of the Scarlet uh, Queen. I think you mentioned Tarzan, which sounds good. You mentioned Horatio Hornblower, but I'm not sure it was old-time radio. I don't prefer anthology uh, programs. I subscribe to sci-fi and western OTR podcasts and inevitably skip the anthology shows. Personal preference, I realize. I want to suggest I love a mystery, I love adventure, and adventures by Morse. Thank you for all all you do. I enjoy listening to the old programs and your commentary. I'm anticipating your new podcast, Steve. Well, I appreciate the uh, email, Steve, and I guess I'll go ahead and answer uh, this There is an Adventures of Horatio Hornblower series that, you know, is old-time radio. It was produced by Towers of London, a production in London, but it was not, you know, broadcast for the BBC. I'm kind of leaning against that series. I don't quite care for it. Uh, I, I think there are a few things, you know, in the way that Hornblower's written the big thing is that the way that they do the series, the episodes are randomly laid out throughout Hornblower's career. So in one episode, you might be listening to an adventure of Midshipman Hornblower. And then in the next episode, you might be listening to an episode about Commodore Hornblower. Now, I gather the books are kind of out of order in terms of his career, and that's fine with novels, but when you get to the point with radio programs and they're just kind of going up and down the timeline, that's kind of confusing. 
And so I'd essentially have to, you know, rearrange all of the episodes out of the original air date order into a chronological order just to make it make sense. Just makes for a really confusing listening experience. And I, I like I said, I don't particularly care for the way hornblowers uh, portrayed in the series. So that's a lot of work, and I don't necessarily think it would be the type of listening experience I would prefer to get. Uh, in addition to those you listed, uh, I also am looking at, uh, we'll be doing The Adventures of the Scarlet Pimper now. Now, as to your comment on anthology series, I appreciate that that's a personal preference but I'm still planning on including them. There are a couple of reasons for it. Uh, first of all, I think that the anthology programs really do afford uh, listeners a great opportunity to experience some high-quality stories, kind of depending on who is actually uh, writing it. You know, there are some lesser programs like Obsession or Tonight at 9.30 where the uh, quality of the program is a bit hit and miss. But when you're talking about things like suspense or escape, you're talking the best writers and the best actors available. And I would say the same thing with, uh, you know, science fiction programs. There are some great works, you know, with kind of almost a... Twilight Zone feel to them, so I really love the quality of them. And then there's just the fact that we're trying to focus on uh, adult adventure or family adventure programs as opposed to strictly juvenile adventures. That presents a challenge because we have relatively few series that fit under this category. I mean, we've pretty much enumerated the major ones. So if I don't include some anthology programs in there, or good number of them, we'll pretty well run out. And I'd prefer to keep a series going for a while and being able to experience a lot of adventure programs. And I definitely understand the appeal of ongoing programs with an ongoing cast. And I might consider some juvenile programs if they're well-written enough. I'm a little dubious about the level of interest. Uh, we went through the entirety of Superman, and I love the Superman uh, programs. We went through all thousand-plus episodes over ten years. But our Superman podcast had about one-tenth the listenership of Great Detectives. So that would give me pause with uh, considering juvenile programs, at least for that podcast. So that's the reason on that. Now, as to I love a mystery, I love adventure, and Adventures by Morse. All of those programs were created by Carlton Morse. Now, Mr. Morse lived to be 90 and lived long enough to start attending old-time radio conventions where his work seemed to have a resurgence of popularity. And so he set up the Morse Family Trust and copyrighted a lot of his scripts and recordings so that this family trust could profit by them. 
Now, I'm dubious, particularly in regards to the recordings, if there weren't some copyright in effect that you could actually get something to have copyright production 40 years after it had been produced and been freely distributed. But it honestly doesn't matter that the Morse Family Trust has claimed rights to these, and at last I heard is still asserting them, is enough that we're not going to play them on the podcast. I'm very careful about these other things, and I'm aware you can download them from other places. You can probably listen to them on other podcasts, but to me, it's just not worth it. I don't have any interest in fighting some trust about theoretical copyrights or dealing with drama. That's that's not what I'm here for. But thank you so much for the email, Steve, and now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Tom. Tom has been one of our Patreon supporters since April of 2019, currently supporting us at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Tom. And that will actually do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, I want to encourage you to subscribe. You can make sure you never miss an episode by following or subscribing. It kind of depends on your software as to which terminology applies. And you can do that on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or Amazon Music or the iHeartRadio app. Also, please rate and review the podcast wherever you're downloading us from. We will be back next Monday with another adventure of Sam Spade. And coming up next Tuesday, we'll be presenting Michael Piper, Private Detective. Coming up this Tuesday, it's another episode of Meet Miss Sherlock, where... Telephone? I didn't order any telephone. A young lady is calling. Your mademoiselle Sherlock, eh? Hey, yourself. Bring me another double. Oui, monsieur. Un moment. Hello? Peter, this is Jane. I'm terribly sorry, darling, but you'll just have to wait a little while for me. Well, what's keeping you? Well, I'm tied up for the moment, Peter. You see, I'm shopping for blossoms on Broadway, only... only I'm not really. Hmm. That makes sense. Go on. Well, you see, I'm really shopping for Wilmer. He came in yesterday. He wants to buy an engagement ring. Wilmer? Yes, Wilmer. Of course. It's really for the widow, Wilmer's widow. Oh, Wilmer's widow. Uh-huh. You see, I'm doing it for you, Peter. For me? Oh, why, Jane? Why? No, I don't see him. Who the heck is Wilmer? Well, Wilmer is your client, and that's why I'm late. Look, Jane, I don't know any Wilmers. And if I did, I'd kill him for having a name like that. How could you know him, Peter? Wilmer's widow is really going to be your client. You just wait at the airs. I'll be there right away, and then you can meet Wilmer, and I'll explain then. Uh, Peter, oh, Peter. I think I'm still here. Did you wear it? Hmm? Did you wear the beret? Yes. Oh, you're so sweet, Peter. I'll be there soon. Goodbye. Oh, nuts. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash greatdetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.